0: It is with honor and privilege that I get to introduce to you our guest preacher today who I believe needs no introduction here at Resurrection MCC because I believe she is part of God's eternal fabric of the people known woven together as people of resurrection. She came to us years ago when she was doing her student clergy work, and um, she was supposed to be here as student, but she became teacher very quickly, and she led many of our leaders and formed many of our leaders at that time and uh, who are still around and with us, and so she has that eternal print that goes with us throughout our history, and she's been with us throughout moments of our history, including the flood as well as other uh, critical times. She is the author and founder of the human rights, I mean the... Uh, would Jesus Discriminate book and campaign. She is a part of the uh, faith and religion program with HRC in Washington. She's currently the executive director of Soulforce. I could sit here and blow a whole lot of hot air, but she wouldn't want me to do that. She used to be the executive director of MCC. And currently, she and her partner, Sue, of 31 years, who I believe is sitting... <laughs> woo woo woo. <laughs> uh. They reside in the ever-so-friendly Abilene, Texas, where they have found an interesting way to minister here of late. They have uh, started up a health food store where people intersect and lives intersect in the most unique and interesting way. Would you give a resurrection welcome home to our friend and colleague, Reverend Dr. Cindy Love.
1: Thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's wonderful to be here with you at Resurrection. I really do feel like this is my home and I'm really grateful. Before I say any more, I just wanna stop just a minute and ask you to thank with me the amazing team of people you have who make this all happen for us in the morning. I brought in stuff this morning at the last minute, handed it to the folks who handle all the AV and within three minutes, boom, You've got it. Amazing music. Your pastoral staff, all the volunteers. Take just a minute and thank them for the presence of. <laughs> I am so excited that you have chosen my friend Harry Knox as your senior pastor. I have spent some very intimate and unforgettable moments with Harry as we cruised through the only McDonald's in Brainerd, Minnesota for our dinner before the HRC Faith and Fairness Town Hall. I think he next fed me at a truck stop in Fargo, North Dakota. (laughs) And then we upgraded to a Wendy's in Rochester, Minnesota. All bastions of gay liberation. We went together in a car and traveled all day to ask these communities the question, would Jesus discriminate? We went in the height of duck hunting season. (laughs) When the minds of these folks were absorbed in really important stuff like who is going to win the annual Duck Decoy Decorating Award? But believe it or not, several hundred folks actually showed up in each of those places and brought us cookies and casseroles and and inched their way toward more inclusive community. I've shared a lot of ups and downs with Harry because we both serve on the HRC Faith and Religion Council with people like Bishop Gene Robinson Most recently, two pastors in Washington, D.C., a man and a woman, wife, husband, people of color, who have lost half of their congregation and three-fourths of their financial support because they have decided to say that we are okay. It's been an amazing experience. There were moments when a lesser mortal than Harry would have said... What is the point of talking to all these hard-headed people about faith and fairness? But he did it anyway. I want you to know that I believe you've chosen well. Harry is dear. He has stood by me and with me when others would not. He's incredibly bright. He's humble. He's kind. He's dreamed all of his life of pastoring a church. He's dreamed all of his life about you. You're going to bless each other. And I'm going to sit back and watch the fun. Will you pray with me? Oh God, lover of our spirits, our very being, you are a God of paradox. You're a transgressing God, you ask us to love and include in ways that the world sees as upside down. You ask us to do in the world what other people do not want to do. You bless us with that calling. And we commit to you here today god regardless of the challenges we will do it anyway in love for you amen Amen. when i visited you last reverend duane was still with you i was still working as the executive director of mcc and since that time duane has moved to washington and i've moved to a new ministry with Force and its equality ride. You actually have an equality rider, at least one, who is uh, a member and, as I understand it now, part of the leadership in your equality team here. At Soulforce, we just did this symposium in Philadelphia entitled The Truth About Faith, Science, Love, and Reparative Therapy. And what excited me most about this was the presence of so many Young adults, 18 to 30, brilliant, well-prepared, well-spoken, absolutely committed to the core values of inclusion and intersectional justice in ways that most of us over 30 still struggle to get. Being part of an organization that has, over 12 years, done what Salesforce has done in the world is a blessing. I think what the huge blessing is going to be of the next 12 years is being the kind of organization and the kind of place that really does operate at the intersections, so that even if I feel like I'm oppressed, I get that actually someone else is oppressed too, and that I have a responsibility to work on both at the same time. Being that kind of organization, and I would submit to you, my friends, that kind of church. That is the kind of being that's going to bring that generation of young people into our midst. One of the profound panel discussions of the day in Philadelphia centered around a quote by Rita Wilchens, which I've asked them to put up for us. Our contradictions and differences are more than political obstacles. They are reminders of our boundlessness, that we are limitless. Confirmations that we can never be fully captured or circumscribed, that no label or movement can ever hope to encompass all we are or have to be and that diversity is our strength in the face of oppression, fill in whatever that is for you, (coughs) that marginalized, suppressed, and erased us in the first place. We need an inclusive movement that is committed to making connections across the boundaries for our common good, but for that we need to trust each other. We need to refuse to marginalize our own. Minorities. My friends, we need to be an inclusive church. Six young adults took this quote then and deconstructed it for the rest of us. What does it really mean to think of our differences as opening us up to more instead of limiting us to less? What does it mean that we push out all the edges? We throw out all the labels. And we care about moving forward together no matter what to eliminate all oppression, not just that that centers on me. I love this transgressive quote of Wilchins. It reminds me of something that Jesus, I know, would say. Our contradictions and differences are reminders of our limitless potential for love. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The Christ way is the upside-down way. Find a paradox in our relationships, and there you will find Jesus. At our Soulforce Symposium, after this quote was read, some of the young adults then led us in an exercise where we had to identify ourselves as non gender conforming. By the way, this is the language that sociologists believe will now replace queer, which for those of us who are over 55, you know, we're like catching up quickly, okay? They let us in this exercise. We had to identify ourselves in what way we are non-gender conforming instead of the label we live with every day, like gay man or lesbian, trans or bi, straight, married, not. This exercise pushed a lot of buttons for some people. Mostly people my age or older, mostly white, mostly people of privilege. One participant got so upset with the idea of calling himself non-gender conforming that he got angry, and shouted out in the room, he had trouble staying in the room. But the good news is, everyone stayed with him while he sorted out what he was feeling and thinking, and in the end, this is what he said to us. I'm 70 years old. I fought like hell to be me, a gay man living in the gay neighborhood, making a good living. When you said non-gender conforming, I heard sissy, faggot, Shirley, light in your loafers. In my mind, when you said that, I actually saw myself in a dress. Where did that come from? We know, don't we? All that stuff that travels around in our brains about whatever labels we've given to ourselves and others just messes us up. It isolates us. It makes it hard for us to work with one another sometimes. It comes out when we have to make tough decisions at home and in churches and in our communities. We fall into us and them. Within our own community of non-gender conforming people, we've had this experience over marriage equality, haven't we? I love the discussion in Philadelphia. All the people older like me, mostly, all about marriage equality. All the younger people, 30 and under, why do you want to get married anyway? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't done very well on the issue of inclusion of people who identify as trans, have we, in the Employment Non-Discrimination Act? We had to go up and clean up after we got it wrong. We have a great example of us and them labeling and its effectiveness right now in our Congress, don't we? Us and them does not make us hopeful. Us and them gets us lost. So here's what's true for us here. Even when we disagree, even when we're different from one another, we are still called to love. Do it anyway. We are still called to extend grace to one another. Give it anyway. We're still required to find a way to extend the truth and love of God in community. Let me show you a way we're doing this on the equality ride.
0: There's many people who have had the temptation to go to that level of uh, sexual perversion and have decided that it's not what I want to do. It would have been better if God had taken me from the earth than to leave me here to live and be gay. I simply ask why. What are we so afraid of? How are we
1: supposed to look genuine if the reason why we're going on the next day is because the media will be there and the next day we'll get arrested. It wasn't God that rejected me. It was his children. It was OBU and their policy. Seventy-five of the two hundred colleges and universities in the United States who have openly discriminating policies against LGBTQ students and faculty have now been visited by the Equality Riders. We pray that in five years we will. Be at the next 125. And my dream, which you helped plant in me here as a student, is that one day all 200 of those cities will be a sign outside the city gate that says, This city is a safe place for everyone. Our text today from Luke 21 is a transgressive story, typical for Jesus. Most people think it's about the end times. They've made movies and novels out of it. I think it was Jesus' way to get us to really think about the place inside each one of us where the spirit, the divine, and the human connect. And then they grow together in a lifelong process of anchoring and maturing and enduring whatever comes. We endure and we grow and we prevail because we are the beloved family of God who knows even when a sparrow falls from the sky. We are not alone. And we are not here to erect temples or walls between one another. We are here to witness to the love and life of Jesus that is so boundless and so respectful that even a thief in the last moment of his life was asked to come home with him that day. I think Jesus declared the end times in this passage as an extreme warning to his disciples. You do remember they were walking around in the temple looking at the architecture While Jesus was noticing the widow who put her two coins in, okay, all right, he needed something extreme to get their attention, to help them and us remember to clear out all the garbage in our brains, all the fears, and all the anxieties that trap us and stop us from being everything we are created to be all the artificial barriers that we might choose to construct between us. All the stuff that we accumulate as if we're going to be here forever, as if surrounding ourselves with buildings and comfortable chairs will make a difference in gaining our souls. I think Jesus used extreme examples, earthquakes, epidemics, wars, famine, persecution, death, to remind us that we are here to persist in our witness to God no matter what, fill in the blank. What is it in your life, the fear or anxiety or judgment? What is it, the thing, that stops you? Our job is to do it anyway. Jesus says, don't worry. Everyone's going to hate you because you're called by my name, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm. You will gain your soul. It took me a long time to realize that being gay wasn't a burden, but rather a God-given gift, so I could witness about the love of God in a way that would actually force people to really think about what did Jesus mean when he said, there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female. It took a while for me to get that all the pressure we experience with focus on the family and radical right is just God's thumb on the end of this gigantic hose of water. When that thumb presses down... The water, the love. Whew. Spreads everywhere, doesn't it? Took me a long time to realize I didn't have to know everything or have all the right words to counter the opposition's views about me. Now I'm going to step on you just a little bit here. Or the views of the people in my very own church sitting in my very own pew about me. Okay? God will give me the words and the logic and the love that I need. It took me a long time to realize that no matter what other people thought about me or said about me, God was actually waiting to use me anyway. Just as soon as I could get a grip. (laughs) I just had to show up. And then I realized what he meant, you will gain your soul. Because the real meaning in my life developed as I understood and took in how I respond to what happens to me. The paradox of living the Christ-like way, Troy Perry loves to say, nobody can steal your joy. I'm so proud of all of you I read about the awards that your church received in the last few months, and then today, this amazing reward for being a community of respect. Mm. I've watched you do what scripture says is possible when you endure. I was here when we had the Christmas service in the gym after the flood. Who was there that night? We strung those long lights up so we could actually have real lights in there. Anybody? That was a test of endurance, was it not? When we weren't sure we had enough money to pay for all the candles that were required for that service. Look around. You have endured. But most importantly, you have gained your very souls by learning and understanding how you respond to what happens in your lives. Now no one can take that away from you. Keep up the good work. Never, never, never give up. Do it anyway.